Hi there, you're listening to the sixth episode of Rasa Talks. I'm Alioza Josie. This is Mohamed Reza. And I'm Hamid Jafai. Like always, we're going to bring you the latest on Iran's startup and tech scene. So the hot topic of this week was in gaming. So when we talk about game nowadays, the first thing that pops to mind is obviously Pokemon Go. Let's talk about that. So Hamid, you and I were been playing from day one, I think, even though it, the game has not been launched in Iran. Yeah, so the game was released in the US and the UK, a couple of other countries, but not Iran. But people uh, were using the game, were playing the game. Uh, even before the game was uh, even officially was released in Iran. So we were using VPNs and then the game kind of got, uh, became a hit in Iran, even though the brand Pokemon was never, you know, something known in Iran because the cartoons and the movies weren't that popular in Iran, despite uh, what was happening in other countries in the past 20 years. But the game became a hit. And the reason could be the game is, uh, you know, kind of different than other games. It's it's using uh, augmented reality, and the uh, uh, you know the Iranian map is uh, implemented into the game, and it's really fun to go around, see the uh, different uh, places of the city, and also play the game along with uh, with your friends. So what happened was the game became got blocked by Iran Computer and Video Games Foundation. So, and it was because of security uh, problems. And um, even though the game uh, was, uh, you know, uh, launched in Iran after a few weeks, uh, after other countries. And um, this is, you know, really interesting, I think. Uh, I mean, wh- why should a game get blocked in, uh, such, a, such a game should go, uh, get blocked in Iran? What do you guys think? So I think on the content side, uh, it actually passed every single test it had. So the content was quite fine. But because the game has a mixture of virtual and physical world integration, what officials said on that was that players could breach security-sensitive locations. And that could become potentially a problem. But uh, I, I think that could have been actually quite easily resolved by actually having a dialogue of communication with the game developers and indicating these are the red lines. We don't want these locations to be breached anyhow. But uh, I, I think that didn't happen in that sense. But what they said was they contacted the you know, game developers and they said, uh, we want you guys to move the servers of the game for Iranian players to Iran but that I don't think that is something that could be possible I don't even think they actually replied to them because there's been no uh, announcement of the reply of Pokemon company on uh, on the servers coming inside yeah but you know it's it's still playable so if you the same day this the same way me and Hamid basically were playing the game from day one that we were using VPNs so virtual private networks to breach the uh, breach the securities and everything. So we the IPs change, so the game will actually uh, realize you're not in Iran. You're using a for example a UK based IP. So the same way can the game also be played right now, uh, but uh, it's not going to reach that mass amount of users as it could without VPNs, obviously. 
That, that's what we think. So, I mean, Mamers, what do you think about this? The only way to play the game is with VPNs. Do you think there's still going to be massive users or not in Iran? So, first, uh, just tell me what is the fuss about this game <laughs> because I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I watched the cartoons when I was like. You even watched the cartoons? Yeah. So, I think that everyone uh, as my age uh, have seen the cartoons back then. So you know, we were actually been playing this game for a long time on Game Boy. So we were, you, you were a guy in the game. You were going around catching Pokemons. Now you actually, physically and mentally, think you're the one catching it. Literally, you're gonna you see the Pokemon. You actually throw the Pokeball. I mean, it's just fun. It's a mix of reality. <laughs> you know, I tried to play it. Actually, I grabbed some of those Pokemons, but it's weird. Like. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> Come on, it's fun. Don't, don't you want to go around to parks and get Pokemons and you got to go to the lake or something? No. Don't you want that? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of an exercise too. We go, we go to places we never go to. I mean, some, some neighborhoods <laughs> yeah. we never step in and we go there just to catch some Pokemons and that's really interesting. But um, talking about, um, you know, gaming in Iran, Iran Computer and Video Games Foundation, they just uh, released a um, uh, report uh, and they did a survey, national survey, on gamers in Iran. So um, the data indicates that of the 79 million Iranians, there are uh, 23 million gamers in Iran. And 50, over 50% of them, 53% of them, play video games on a regular basis. And that's a lot, I think. So let's stop here. By gamers means anybody that has played a game. Yeah, so they so don't, mean, at, we don't hardcore, mean hardcore gamers. Exactly. They don't mean hardcore gamers or console gamers. But they mean anyone who plays uh, games even on their phones and on different platforms. So um, the service shows that um, 77 uh, percent of the gamers, they play uh, on a smartphones. And this number, uh, you know, they jumped a lot since like uh, the past three years uh, when the smartphones uh, became so widely used. And after that is the tablets, the devices, desktop computers, console games with uh, only 6% and then laptops. You know, the funny fact is uh, with Iranian salary, people are buying like PS4 or Xbox One game for like... A uh, big amount of money. Yeah, so if you pay for salaries. a game in the US for $60, you have to pay at least like, I don't know, $80, $90 here in Iran. Yeah. And some games are really rare. And $90 in Iran is like super high. Yeah. So salaries go around like one, one million. Like Which is like three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. So a salary could be a minimum <laughs> of three hundred dollars. You paying one third of your salary for a game, that could be considered as insanity. That but, could be like uh, indicates that Iranians like are really hardcore game players. So they are willing, willing to pay, to pay, pay that kind games, of money yeah. for like PS4 games. I mean, it shows that the market is ready for you know international publishers to uh, release their games exclusively for Iranians. Yeah, exactly. You know, Which release uh, content that are like suitable for the Iranian culture, and the Iranians are really uh, willing to pay for that. I mean, the same happened for. Uh, Clash of Clans uh, game for smartphone devices and so last year the officials reported that the game has over 5.5 million users in Iran wow that's I, massive yeah 
and I think 5.5 million only on Android devices. And I think so if you include iPhone, the population. that would be much more. Actually, I think that the new game that uh, Supercell released after Clash of Clans is the same concept. Clash Royale. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, it's the next major hit. I think that even the players of this new game is even bigger than the in Clash of Clans itself. So yeah. from the consumer side, it seems that it's growing. You also mentioned six percent on consoles, so that's about one and a half million of of Iranians are actually console uh, playing on consoles or PS4 yeah. and Xbox. And speaking of consoles, uh, Shadowblade is uh, one of the most famous Iranian developed games in the world. So for the, for the very first time, this game has also been published on, on PlayStation Four. So I think that that's a milestone for Iran as well. So uh, Iran, Iran's first PS4 game is out, though it may seem that uh, we're really far behind, which we are. But that is a great milestone, and it, it could inspire other Iranian game developers to start developing games inside game studios to move on consoles too, not only uh, you know, smartphones and tablets and the high was maybe desktop games. You know, it's only logical. The workforce is really cheaper. And why not? Like, big name uh, companies like studios shouldn't like come here to invest in developing games. And we have creative people, like, innovative people, too. I mean, it, it just looks it like the perfect place. It shows that we can. Yeah. So we need just investment and like a, a correct strategy to enter in this market. Yeah. And also the other um, interesting fact in this report, which, uh, which just got uh, released, is that 37% uh, of the gamers in Iran are women. And that's a lot, I think. And so this shows that more uh, games suitable for women, for girls, could be released. Uh, Where are these girls? <laughs> yeah, they're Seriously. <laughs> yeah, they're at home. <laughs> Playing games. I don't know what the Most international of percentage of this is, but this could be uh, actually a high number. I mean, uh, well, it's safe to say most of them are smartphones and tablets, not on consoles. Yeah. It's usually hardcore gamers are men, basically, with, uh, with a woman minority. But uh, th that's interesting that that's a number for uh, when you're doing market research for your business, that's the number you have to actually uh, emphasize on. So if you're a woman and you're playing game, please email us at ayatzantegrasa. <laughs> it's only for like research purposes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot find these 37%. Maybe you could find us. <laughs> international companies are still in the influx of coming in and interestingly many things are happening in between of this influx um, there's been a massive .ir registration so we're talking about .ir domains which is the main domain used in Iranian websites and there's been people buying the .ir domain of famous brands. So they want to make money, they think they can make money in the future when exactly. they, these companies actually enter Iran. So either the company has, has, has to go into a legal battle with these guys to acquire the name, which is going to be uh, really cost-worthy and stuff, 
or they have to just buy it from from the people but interestingly there's been also the international companies themselves buying their .ir domains before entering Iran so this is like uh, this is a good indication to actually find the strategies of, of these companies that if they are willing to come into Iran and is it in the near future to, uh, or in, in the late future but this is a good indication of uh, interest in coming to Iran and well, we have to wait and see it, uh, what's going to happen in that sense yeah and talking about uh, international brands entering Iran uh, we already have American products in Iran such as you know iPhone products Microsoft and what happened recently is that the officials said that any mobile device that is that does not have an uh, you know official distributor in Iran that could guarantee the products uh, the, the phones won't be usable anymore so the phones have to be registered um, in the country but since these company these uh, brands these American brands uh, are not you know officially registered in Iran they can't be used anymore so they, they saying that iPhone products might get uh, you know banned in Iran and yeah. also other products you know how many the, uh, the story actually began 10 years ago in uh, 85 in Persian year uh, the government tried to block all the smuggled uh, smartphones that was uh, that were uh, brought to the country so they wanted to use IMEA the yeah. code that every smartphone has but uh, since you can like clone that code uh, the, the whole project was a failure so government couldn't implement uh, their uh, plan for smuggled smartphones. So, but ten years later, they're using new methods. To they are using, these yeah, actually, they're using the, 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 There is this another code that is in the SIM card. Every each SIM card has this unique code. Uh, they 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 are using IMEA, and they are using your uh, national ID in some cases. So to generate a unique code that is not possible to clone so but with this, this process method, I think it's gonna be really expensive do you guys actually think they can do this actually they are uh, uh, using people to stop like the uh, smuggled smartphones in the country How? because they can't control the people that are bringing in the smartphones illegally yeah. they're using people as the end user if they can't use that phone so the smugglers uh, uh, job would be like obsolete like nobody would buy that smartphone if it doesn't so if work. you buy an iPhone you would uh, you can only use it as an iPod I guess right yeah so, so you no won't SIM be card to would be activated in that uh, smartphone and that that that's just because the, there's no official distributor actually there, uh, there were many objections uh, to this act like uh, people are saying that government shouldn't use people to stop smartphone uh, smuggling smartphones uh, to the country actually parliament announced that uh, there weren't enough study to implement this plan so this might be another failure but uh, we should wait and see they can't right now i think that there are six million iphones in the i country. mean as an end user i should so. be able to use any product i want I don't care about the distributor. I want to use an iPhone. I want to use a Samsung phone. I want to use any kind of brands I want. I want to use, you know, you know Microsoft products, Apple products. I mean, this doesn't make sense. If they want to, you know, uh, they, you know, change something, they should uh, be not 
about the end users it should be about the distributor and they should find ways to actually attract these international companies to actually establish and officially establish their brands here in Iran actually the government tried that uh, they brought down the taxes on uh, s smartphones but it didn't work like uh, they uh, apparently people don't want to pay taxes if they want really to like not people smugglers. smuggling I yeah. mean it hasn't worked anywhere else but I think at this we look at this event in in more in depth when you when you actually analyze all the layers so they announced that we want the original manufacturer to open office in Iran so the only country that cannot send products to Iran in that sense is, is the United States so this also has this political impact and this, this po political vibe going in that we need, we need American companies to come in inside. So that, 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 may, that perhaps puts pressure uh, on the company and the U.S. itself. But there's also been a really uh, this, this like major interest in Apple itself for iPhones. I mean, Microsoft is also American. We have, uh, we have Windows Phone in Iran, obviously. But that that's been mostly on iPhone. So that they've been closing down some shops with with Apple logos on on their the top of the you know the shop itself. So that's really interesting to look at. But at the at the other hand, I think uh, you really cannot stop smuggling. You you cannot limit the SIM cards to these kind of phones. And at the end of the day, there's going to be too much people actually refusing to accept this. And there's going to be this you know this news via media that we're talking about it too much. And as Mara as I mentioned, I think this is going to hit bricks. I don't think this is actually, actually going to be implemented yeah, in that sense. already because right now if you go to, like, to the market to buy an iPhone, uh, there are two types of iPhones. Like the one that can be registered and the one that but can't be just, just another reason yeah. for them to and make are, the prices and, higher. And the end user should pay like $100 uh, more for it. That well, that's a scam, right? I mean, that's yeah, completely exactly. a scam. There's no such thing. So they kind of disrupted the whole stuff market. like this happen all the time, I guess. <laughs> this whole thing is supposed to help the users. Yeah. But how is it helping the users? The end users? Actually, users are crushing in between. <laughs> but I think it's been successful in one sense. Uh, it, it has created this vibe that a smuggler now actually thinks twice before actually smuggling in. So I, I think the, the ratio of smuggle per day has been, has been actually reduced maybe with this. I mean, that's the only thing that happened, I think. Yeah, so we just have to wait and see what happens. We're gonna uh, you know, give you more news on that uh, in the next couple of weeks. So on the other hand, banks and payment companies are still uh, in struggle of coming in. Obviously, um, American credit institutes and payment companies are still denied of entry from mostly the American side because of the American sanctions on Iran. But uh, we, we talked about this before, but South Korea's Wuri Bank is actually has open office in Iran. And uh, talks have been from uh, banks from the National Bank of Kazakhstan actually coming in. And through these banks, there's going to be more payment solution, perhaps international payment companies coming in. So there's, there's been some news about that as well. And uh, international brands in other sectors are actually coming in a lot from uh, clothing manufacturers, fashion designers, and all that. And um, that's about it when it comes to international companies entering Iran. 
So guys, I heard that you guys are going to Germany next. So yes, Tekfasa is now a media partner of Pirate Summit. We never been to Pirate Summit before, so we're really excited about that. But it seems that they've created this really cool vibe that brings together investors, startups, you know, entrepreneurs, activists, and media together. And interesting is they all look the same in terms of dress code. So. So you, you might see a you know high profile investor yeah, wearing I mean, you know shirts and sandals and stuff. And sandals, and, yeah. and so this is really good. I mean, we're really excited about that. And the more international summits we go, we have better understanding of the trends in, in that local country, and perhaps uh, we, can, we can create this portal of communication for that country in Iran when it comes to startups as well. So we're going to be at Pirate Summit as well. We're going to uh, we're going to publish this article about Pirate Summit. You, got, you can read more about that in TechRasa very soon. And there's going to be a discount code of 50% for any of TechRasa readers that want to join the event, the event as well. Yeah, so we're going to share the codes uh, for you guys on our social media. And other thing is the guys from Pirate Summit, they came to Iran for the second year uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, they held a pitch competition here in Tehran and uh, um, uh, like 10 startups attended this event and um, the winner of the event was Donate, a crowdfunding platform which I'm guessing you guys might have heard of them and you can read more about them on TechRosa. So the guys took home 1.5k cash US dollars and they're invited for the event to pitch in front of the investors for the final competition. And the final competition is on the 6th and 7th uh, of September. So stay tuned. We're gonna, uh, you know, uh, tell you guys more about the event. We're gonna to, uh, live tweet the event. And uh, you can see the pictures and videos on TechRasa. Guys, may I add something? Like, uh, there is this problem that we are having in the startup community. <clears throat> like, I can't come to Germany because I am a student and uh, I can't get my passport because I have problems with the university. So there are many people in Iran right now that they can make these kind of trips to out to outside of Iran unless they finish their military service. But that, yeah, so that leads down to military service yeah, again. So exactly. If you're a student, you can apparently leave the country only twice with certain permits if you have not done or finished your military service. So this is actually a quite a big issue for our entrepreneurs, basically. Yeah. So it's quite important to expand your network, go to different conferences and stuff. But when you haven't finished your military service and it's quite hard for you to leave the country, how are you going to do this? Yeah, exactly. If uh, I hadn't... Uh, I haven't had my co-founders like you guys. Uh, probably we couldn't make it. Like yeah, you so guys are. Tecrosa like, couldn't be at the event. So. so yeah, we have this privilege of the three co-founders. We are two of us. Uh, we have uh, basically exempt cards. Yeah, exempt cards for uh, that. That that means your acceptance from actually uh, attending military service. Military service. Yeah. But that that's a problem overall. I don't think uh, every company is lucky enough. Yeah, exactly. there like were that. also a, a couple of other international events happening in Tehran, such as Seed Stars World, which uh, we, we actually take Russia actually co-organized the event, and the uh, the winner of the event from Iran they couldn't join the 
you know, the main event in Switzerland just because of the military service, the problem the founder had, the startup founder had. We don't want to nag, but the fact that with these kind of problems, we are still going and pushing the boundaries, it shows the will of the whole community to like go forward. And I'm really happy to be like in this community. Yeah, and also in, uh, a couple of new initiatives started in Iran too. Uh, called uh, one of them called Khedmat Sarbazi, right, Alizan? Yeah. So there's actually a website there. You can, uh, if, if you have the same problem, you can uh, go there, write a note, and basically it's a cause to raise awareness for, especially for innovators and entrepreneurs, where they actually need to. Uh, work on their startup. It's not just a matter of leaving the country for conferences. It's actually the matter is mostly inside. So if you have a startup and you go to military service for 24 months, uh, what is going to happen to your startup? Yeah. So if there's an exception, is, is if there's actually a special kind of condition for entrepreneurs mostly to work on their startup and somehow help and do something instead of, of, of actually joining a military service, uh, that that could be a solution. So you can you guys can go actually go on that website, and if you're an Iranian outside of Iran, which is facing the similar issue, you can go to khetmatsarbazi.com and leave a note there and join the cause, basically. Yeah, and uh, if you're living in other countries, tell us what your government has done in a situation like this for uh, you know the military service yeah, that, that could be really interesting if people actually if you, if you guys are from different countries if you guys can share with us what happened and uh, how the government solved uh, this problem there now that could be really informative thank you guys this was the sixth uh, episode of rosa talks we're glad to be here. Sorry that we've been around for the past month. We've been so busy with the changing the office and uh, growing. Oh yeah, we have a new office. The cross us thing. We're gonna talk again in two weeks with new topics in mind. Uh, send us emails, leave comments on what do you guys want to know about Iran? What is really interesting to know? Do you guys is there a certain uh, startup sector you guys want to know about? FinTech, AdTech, e-commerce. Uh, leave us what you think. And don't forget to subscribe uh, to our newsletter, Tecrosa newsletter. We're going to send you the, uh, you know, the articles uh, we wrote in the past week and also a couple of new Straight facts. Straight to your inbox. <laughs> and also a couple of new uh, interesting facts for you about the Iranian startup and tech scene. And if you haven't registered yet, shame. Shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> Register because winter is coming. <laughs> Take care. My name is Hamid Jaffari. I'm Alirza Josie. This is Mahal Ciao, ciao.